Good afternoon. Welcome to the Young News Podcast. Your host, John Phillips, alongside Sean Clappers via WhatsApp on this Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. The dog days of summer here, Sean, in South Florida. A lot of people on vacation. I'm still here at work having a good time having this podcast. A special day, Sean, because the former president of the United States' house was raided. And I hear all sorts of opinions, but I think one thing has to be made very clear. Both sides of the political aisle don't like this man. And when I say both sides, I mean both sides of the established political power uh, of wings. We, we have a, for a very long time, I've mentioned this before and I will mention it again. We've had two dynasties. We've had the Bush dynasty and we've had the Clinton dynasty. And I'm going to first say something that many people, I guess, who like Trump won't like. But when these two uh, political families had a large majority of control when it comes down to their political parties, you did seem to feel like there was a sense of political stability in the United States. And, you know, we can go back to 2008, Sean, where... Clinton thought that she was robbed by Obama. Mm -hmm. Eight years later, Bush thinks it's his turn. And he then feels like he got robbed for the Republican nomination by Trump. And the reality is that this dynasty that ruled American politics for a significant period of time started to crumble. Whether it was the election of Obama, whether it was... Uh, Trump as an underdog defeating Hillary Clinton. And since then, the attacks on an outsider continue to get more and more heavy. Uh, they get more, they've gotten more and more personal. Look, everyone's trying to act like it's about January 6th. Here's what it's about. It's about something very simple embarrassing an alpha male for the international world to see on TV and in the newspapers. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what this is about. It's not about if you're a MAGA supporter and you're, oh, no, oh, no, they went into his house. They're going to find out all sorts of stuff that's going to connect him to Jeffrey Epstein. Well, first off, if they do, is that really a shocker? B, it's not so clear that they will. C, if they find out stuff with him and Jeffrey Epstein, most likely they're going to find stuff with him and, and, Bill, uh, and Bill Clinton. But, you know, re regardless, of, regardless of that, this is clearly about sending a message to Donald Trump and the people that look at him as an icon of rebellion and needed, necessary rebellion needed in the United States of America in the political realm. And this happened with Alex Jones a couple weeks ago. It's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen, that these very iconic figures of political, let's say, nonconformist type yeah, actors, yeah. it's not a coincidence that these people, these nonconformist types that are in our political world are being targeted the most. It's not about Republican Democrat. We all know. Look, Bath and Tennis, John, I've worked at both places. Right across the street. I can tell you right now, probably over 75% of the people that are at Bath and Tennis, you know what they're saying today? And they're, by the way, they're mostly Republican. They're saying, all right, go get them. 
stick it to that guy who thinks that he can be a rich guy like us. Nah, he's new money. He's Gatsby right. money. He's, he's, he's Gatsby. He's not one of us. Right. Get that dirty man. Right. <clears throat> a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people on the right think that only people on the left are the people that really don't like him. Some of the biggest rats, not this is not really attached to the cub. This is talking about politics. Some of the biggest political rats, when it comes down to Donald Trump, are in the Republican Party. So, just something to think about. And I guess this is something that I thought about when this news broke. With all that said, um, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot there. I mean, what this is culminating into is essentially, as you said, you know, it's it's the American, the, the nation is in a very precarious position. We're, we're in a position where we could become like a fallen state banana republic, you know, where like whichever party is in power, they just utilize the State Department and the Justice Department to persecute any political enemies, right? And that is, I mean, that's quite literally the thing that originally kept America separate from you know, like African dictatorships or Venezuela or all of these these banana republics. You know, these these countries that essentially every few years it's just a bunch of politicians are thrown in prison by the other side, and then when that side gets the upper hand, they throw those politicians in prison, and it's just the country comes into a gridlock. And of course, the people suffer because they're become. I mean, there's no faith in the institutions anymore. You know, right now there's very little faith in America's institutions. But we haven't seen yet this. And now we've got, you know, the kangaroo courts with January 6th hearings, which are a complete joke. Um, you know, Alex Jones uh, being, being, you know, it's essentially just a show trial. Literally, literally a trial with all prosecution and no defense, you know, forcing him to pay out however. I was going to say, I think he, I think he also, I'm, I don't know all the details. I think he's not allowed to defend himself. There's something about that trial that doesn't give him... It's unbelievably, it's unbelievably unethical. And so, you know, but, but my, my point is anyone, and this is what the, this is all, this is the Democrats fault. And it's, I'm also faulting 99% of the Republicans there because they're essentially the uniparty rhinos who, as Michael Malice says, they're just progressives going the speed limit. You know, it's like when the Republicans get like the Democrats get in power and they say, Hey, we're going to ram through all this legislation. And then Republicans go, no, but don't, not so hard. You know, like, don't stick it in so hard. And then, and then they do. And then Republicans get in power and they do nothing. You know, they right. just sit on their hands. They, they don't roll back the state. They don't say, hey, we're going to, we're going to fire thousands of government employees. All of these redundant. No, because. Letters. No, we're, they're like, no, let's just, let's try and pass a good budget. And it's like, so essentially, let now finish my point. And I'll, I'll pass it back to you. But. You know, Trump represents a, a radical shift away from that. People like Alex Jones represent Thomas Massey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, anybody who's kind of in this freedom caucus, anybody in the media who is, you know, the you, you look at like the Glenn Greenwalds and the Tim Pools and the, all of these people who are anti, anti-uniparty, anti-establishment, they are in the crosshairs, right? They are, con- Tim Pools, his, his uh, studio has been raided like by SWAT teams nine times. He's got swatted nine or ten times, right? Like that doesn't happen to, uh, uh, I don't know, name uh, Ethan Klein. Like name, name anybody on the left who is like in this in a similar position. That does not happen because they are protected class. And so we are seeing this absolute weaponization 
of of, of politics of, of the right. Justice Department to go against. Another thing that's amazing is the fact that you know they're raiding Trump's house. Meanwhile, you know Hunter Biden. I mean, even even though all that laptop stuff came out, nope, not a peep from nope. Feds aren't going to pay him a visit. Anybody on the Epstein, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell client list? Who? Who? What are you talking about? That they threw that list away. She's going to be. She's good. She's going to commit suicide pretty soon. She's going to disappear, right? I mean, all, uh, Eric Swalwell for uh, sleeping with a Chinese spy. All of these people who should be investigated, right? right. Or I mean. You know, if we're going to talk about January, hey, let's investigate January 6th. Okay, fine. Let's investigate May 29th. Right. A bunch of angry leftists t- tore down the barricades at the White House and burned down a guard tower, uh, uh, set fire to St. John's Church. I mean, you know, and, and then the, that entire summit of riots. The, the majority of the BLM riots happened near central banks. Right. What's that all about? Right. Hmm, interesting. I mean, it's just like these things that they might sound conspiratorial, but when you look into them, it's like, wow, this – a lot of these were not grassroots. It was like paid protesters to come in. Well, we should investigate that. Oh, no, never mind. We're not going to do any of that. Right. So it's it very much is flowing in one direction. It's, it's the left just looking – and, I mean, and the right is – listen, I, I'm going to say that – not the right. I'm just going to say the conservatives the, are the – they're not even the conservatives. They're Republicans. Right. Our, 98% of them are complicit in this. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, all these guys are just – these guys are shills. They're just well, they're protecting their jobs. Here's my that's thing. Their, that's their job. So, so I'm gonna, I'm not coming. I, I'm gonna look through things their their eyes. If I'm Mitch McConnell and Trump gets on the phone with him, and Mitch says something like, "Dude, like, what do you expect?" And Trump's like, "What do you mean? What do you expect?" I'm like, "Don, what you're, do you expect?" No, no, like, what do you what did you expect? You thought that you could yeah. just come into politics in 2016 with right. a very sophisticated complicated global world order that is in motion as of right now and you could just run off Twitter and build a campaign and not really try hard to network but kind of be a maverick and yeah you became a populist and congratulations you became president of the United States but are how can you don at all at all be surprised that people all across the world are upset and are going to do anything they can to take you down because if you survive and if you succeed in your mission well that means AFD in Germany is going to upset the establishment and they're going to be empowered and emboldened to bring back Germany to the dark national ages of nationalism and 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 oh my gosh, the UKIP party in in uh, in the UK that means Garrett that means uh, right. uh, uh, Nigel Farage and his mm-hmm. his bunch of rascals will be yeah. emboldened and and, and and filled with courage. And all yeah. of a sudden, Don, overnight, you've taken the global world order and you've spun it into chaos. And you might think chaos is necessary for another system to be put in place. But let's admit the fact that when that chaos erupts, things aren't magically just going to come together. I've made this point, and I've made this point in, uh, in, in before in defense of the, I don't want to say in defense of the Soviet Union, that sounds like sacrilege in the United States. But what I was trying to say was I think people in the West had this really interesting, false understanding of the Soviet Union. They, they had this idea that when the wall fell, quote unquote, 
all this beautiful freedom and democracy was spread all across Russia and people no longer were living under a tyrannical beast. And it's like, if you talk to the average Russian, like there was a period of tremendous chaos that followed the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. It wasn't like Russia was 90% on board with a freedom-loving, democratic, value-loving system in which overnight or at least over a year or two gave jobs and prosperity to the majority of their population. Like chaos. Like when the Soviet Union fell apart, there was chaos. There was the mafia. There were private businesses that were moving into Russia, doing all, the, all sorts all the, of deals. The oligarchs kind of came in. Yeah. And so, so, so I'm, I'm Mitch into, and, and, and I would just say this to Donald Trump, like, what did you expect? Like when you, when you did what you did, you don't think, you don't think they're going to come after you with everything they got to take you down. And so my message to the supporters out there of Donald Trump and Donald Trump himself is get ready, get ready. Because if you succeed, that means all other people that are technically on another side of an issue with the establishment are also likely to succeed. Right. And right. that's a and, and what Mitch would probably say is, look, I'm all about reformation, but Don, you're talking about revolution. And I'm not willing to put America in tight in I'm not willing to sacrifice the the stability of the United States of America um, in the name of your cause. I that mean, would be my making, that would be my argument against uh, that would be my 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 message I guess that you might not hear us uh, uh, that often. I, so I I think you're the words you're putting into Mitch's mouth you're giving him too much credit. I honestly believe that him Lindsey Graham you know all the other GOP establishment leaders they are so out of touch in the same way that the, all the the Democrat leaders are so out of touch. They're like. They're career politicians. They've been in for so long. Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, you know, they're all they've been working. They're, they're all like old buddies, even though it might be adversarial. I mean, think about how many things that they've flipped on. Is it? Here's the thing. Can I just say these people are in the same boat. But is it is it so much that they're out of touch or unprepared? I think they're unprepared. I think when I think of the baby boomer population, if you if you went to a baby boomer and I think you made a really good point about May 29th. If a baby boomer came up to you and said, oh, man, what about that insurrection? He said, I know, man, it's crazy what happened on May 29th. They'd be like, what? 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 Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then you would explain to them the damage that was done, the arrests that were made, the cops that were that were hurt, um, the burning of the buildings that took place, the fact that a sitting president had to be led to the bunker of the White House, right? Yeah, but, you mean, you would explain average, this to Mitch. Well, yeah, but if you explain that to me, at first, when you first said those words, like, yeah, I know, it's crazy what happened on May 29th, there's, like, something happening inside of their head that's not processing what you said. And by the way, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's to my parents. I think if I said that to my parents or your parents, I actually think that's what you would get. I don't think you'd get, yeah, yeah. oh, that's right, that was a, that, that's right, that was kind of the insurrection that people don't talk about. I think the first response would be like, wait, what happened on May 29th? Yeah, and then it's like, you, well, you like... You have to give them a refresher. Yeah. So, 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 mm-hmm. so, so on the unprepared, I, I look at that more as like they're, they're not out of touch. They're unprepared. They actually know really, I think they know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to hold on mm-hmm. 
They're trying to yeah. hold on to the established orders that when they die, they can try to convince themselves that they're fighting for a beautiful legacy, for a beautiful American legacy in which Donald Trump is the right. villain. Which, which Donald Trump is the villain. That's how I kind right. of view it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, do you want me to give you my theory on yes. kind of how, how all this started and why it started? Yes. So you remember back in 2008 when Occupy happened, right? The whole okay. Occupy, the, the, the housing bubble crashed. Yep. You know, lo- long story short, the Fed had been keeping interest rates artificially low for years and years and years yeah. and flooding the economy with money, essentially just propping up banks that were giving loans on uh, real estate. I mean, uh, name other things also. When you keep the interest rates artificially low, low factor economic uh, activity gets privileged over high factor economic activity, like resources go towards uh, things that are user ready like uh you know like um you know like din- you know movies and uh and clothes and food and, and things that are really close to consumer goods but investing doesn't end up going to the development of like i don't know r&d research uh oil exploration uh you know uh, building a, a new building you know things that last a long time right so this creates this kind of instability in the in the economy. Everyone starts flooding all their money into the real estate market, and you know, assuming wrongfully that the price of, of houses will always go up because that's how it's just been going. The Fed is kind of feeding into this with low interest rates because they want the economy to grow. Because after you know the the, the dot com bubble burst in two thousand, Alan Greenspan said, "Oops, we can't let the economy contract. Let's do this." Right. So two thousand eight. Uh, the next bubble bursts, right? The housing bubble. Everything explodes. It's a big mess. The people are mad, right? They're mad. They're mad that the, all these banks got bailed out. The two big to fail banks got bailed out. You know, it's just basically repeat, rinse and repeat. The, the government is doing the same thing to our money that they've been doing since the 70s, which is just devaluing it, devaluing it, right? The people are getting mad. They start to figure, even maybe even, maybe they don't figure out exactly why, what's causing this, but they know something's wrong, right? Um, you know, so anyway, we have all of these uh, protests in, in, back in Occupy. I, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but it was like there was no left and right. Well, like, so so yeah, it was like Tea Party. I was just gonna it say was like, it was like Tea Party Republicans. Yeah, and it was it was anarchists, and then it was like you know it was kind of like lefty social justice people. It was all kinds of people, and there was really no, you know, it, it was it was more like oh the establishment, which is like the government and these big, too big to veil banks versus everybody. And I really do believe, and Alex Jones really, I mean, he gained a huge following then. I mean, he he got famous also after 9-11 when he was exposing like um, uh, the the World Trade Organization and Bohemian Grove, blah, blah, blah. But a big part was he was exposing, I think, agent provocateurs in, in the Occupy movement. Who were you know trying to make peaceful protesters seem like they were rabble rousers, so that the feds could round them up and kick them out of you know Zuccotti Park and stuff like that. So anyway, you had this big populist movement, and then John, I don't know if you remember, all of that kind of disappeared. And what happened? What what came out of that was all of this. You started seeing all of the usage of like the social justice narrative, starting like all the culture war, like oh. Suddenly, America's racist again. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and and all of these, all of these cultural things, and then you would—that was really, I believe, the gen—not the genesis, but that was kind of a, like, a cauterized the uniparty. 
to be like, oh, okay, the people are starting to get wise. Things are getting bad. We need to codify our power, the Uniparty, the head, the leading Democrats, the leading Republicans. And then, you know, Obama comes in and he goes, oh, I'm going to restore blah, blah, blah. And then he just play, he just falls in line, plays along, does the same thing, does wages more war than Bush. Just, you know, I mean, just spends more money than Bush. It just Bush 2.0, essentially, deports more people than Bush, drone strikes more people than Bush. So, you know, Obama, he commiserates, he gets in line. This, this is the uniparty. And then you have people who are detractors who are the Trump types, the Bernie Sanders types who later on he capitulated. He kissed the ring, so, you know, Bernie's out. But anyone who's, who's anti-establishment, you start seeing – and then you start seeing like Washington Post articles about how – why the rise in populism is a dangerous thing, right? Basically trying to make anybody – who says, hey, um, maybe um, like unmitigated immigration is not good. Hmm. You know, making them seem like crazy redneck racists, right? So anyone who, 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 who speaks of any type of a populist movement against the deep state or, you know, any of that, you got to make those guys sound like evil, crazy, uh, racist, Nazi rednecks, right? This is, how, this is where we start seeing this, I really believe, in 2008. And it's only ramped up since then. Trump obviously ramped it up even, even further. And now we're seeing this. Now we're seeing the Justice Department, the FBI, go after political opponents who are a thorn in the side of the establishment. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, I remember that really, that's exactly, you know, 2008 is when I kind of got into following politics, I feel like, on a daily basis. Yeah, so I, I can, remember that. So, 2008 comes, and one of the things that I thought people were really worried about Obama was all the money that was, he was spending. And I'll never forget, uh, Obamacare passes, people are very upset with the whole idea of you'd like to keep your doctor, uh, you can keep your doctor, and then you find out you can't keep your doctor, people are on his network, people are spending more money, and, you know, 2010 hits. Now, 2010 is a Tea Party year. Then what happens is 2011, 2012, the left says, wait, maybe we can get some of our populists just to get the momentum back for Democrats. And that's where the Occupy. Occupy was predominantly led by populist Democrats. Uh, 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 the Tea Party was predominantly led by populist Republicans. And then you had a guy that came into office in 2016 who happened to attract people who are populist Democrats and popular Republicans. And at first, I think he was a great way to make money. I think the media propped him up because they thought this was a fantastic opportunity in the age of digitalization, in the age of when newspapers were losing money, big networks were losing money. What better person to put up on the stage and get unbelievable, amazing ratings in all of these interviews and debates than Donald Trump? And so they go about and they look at him more like a clown, like a man of entertainment. I mean, after all, that's what he did. People actually went into that Republican primary thinking that Donald Trump was actually a moderate. Uh, and this was not just me saying that. This was several liberal sources that actually looked at him and weren't saying that he was this radical conservative kind of guy. In fact, there were a lot of people like Ted Cruz that was saying that he's just a New York liberal type of guy. And then, of course, I mean, Trump... Yeah. Trump, he's, yeah. Trump, he's like, a, a he's like a Rockefeller conservative, you know. He's a he's very much down, you know, socially pretty liberal. Uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Continue. So yeah, he comes about, and then all of a sudden they realize, oh shoot, we got to take him seriously. Oh my gosh, he could actually win. He's not going to win, is he? Is he? Is he? Oh my gosh, he actually won. Did he? Does he even understand that he actually won? What actually took place? And then I think what happened was it was a good interview. I don't know the guy's name. He's a journalist. I believe he's from Japan. He was on. Jordan Peterson's show. And he said 
Never look for the spark because the spark is not important. He said, look for the conditions. I think the election of Donald Trump was a spark, but I don't think if it wasn't the election of Donald Trump, it was going to be something else. I think the conditions in the United States of America, America were ripe for some type of breaking out of the box situation. Some type of chaos inside of our politics needed to happen in order to have this quote-unquote civil war, have this dispute between those who have done very well over the past 25 years and those who have suffered over the past 25 years. And I think he yeah. Be- yeah. he began the civil war. Okay, His election was a spark that put this country into a bit of a civil war between the working class of middle America and the coastal elites that live on the liberal sides of the United States. Now, I'm generalizing there. It's not that simplistic. What I'm trying to say is the conditions. If people look at what was taking place in 2016 and how things were going about at the global scale, it was inevitable that a nationalist versus globalist um, battle was going to take place. We didn't know. We didn't know who was going to be the face of the franchise. We did know that the Bush Clinton dynasty was probably going to be the face of the franchise uh, coming out of the globalist wing of politics. But people yeah. really didn't quite know and still don't know after Trump leaves the political arena who is going to be that face. What we do know is that the conditions the conditions are ripe for that type of battle to take place over the next five to ten years. Because that's how I see it. It is a nationalist versus globalist type war. And who it is. May, and that's why I'm not freaking out. People are like, aren't you scared, John? They're going after Donald Trump. Like, look, first off, Donald Trump knew what he was getting involved in. He knew. He, he had those, I guarantee you, he had conversations with the Soros types, with the globalist types, and said, hey, pal, congratulations, you won your election, now listen up, pal, if you want to be a part of the club and make things go pretty smooth for you and your family and the future of the Republican Party, this is what you're going to have to do. And it was like, "Mm, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to play your game. I'm not going to say I'm not going to play your game, but right now I have more leverage than you, so I'm not really going to play the game the way you want me to play. And they said, okay, game on, let's fight. Let's battle. Since 2016, that's what you got. It's 2022. And so we're in the middle of a war. We're in the middle of a conflict. Um, And you have a situation that is going to escalate naturally because it has nowhere else to go. And, you know, I'm not saying that's the worst thing or that's the best thing for this country. I'm going to say it's just necessary. I think people don't want to admit the fact that you have, at this point in time, in the world, major political powers, whether it's a little bit of, you know, conflict over Taiwan, you got Ukraine, you got Iran, Israel, you got all of these conflicts getting a little bit more touchy, a little bit more touchy, and it's just, so the conditions are there. Yeah, maybe it's Trump going behind bars that'll set off a revolution and a civil war. Maybe. But guess what, Sean? If it's not Trump going behind the bars, right? 
it might be the yeah. election. It might be the election. The, the election of Donald Trump in 2024. That's what sets off the conditions yeah. for a nationalist globalist setup. All I'm trying to mention yeah. to people is if you think that you can just stop the raid of Mar-a-Lago and things will get back to normal and Trump will get elected in 2024 and America will be great again, that's not how this is going to go about. We're just yeah, waiting. No, no. We're waiting for that second spark to be created, and then you know yeah. what that is. How that comes about, it might be stealth, it might not, it might be really big, it might be really small, but it's going to come because the conditions are right for it to come. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I lost my train of thought, but I, I had something I was going to say about... Um, Donald Trump, Clinton's Bushes, Dynasty, well, Civil War. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, Civil War, you know, we, America has been coming apart at the seams for a while now. Uh, I I think really since 9-11, we have seen this kind of rending where, you know, half of the country wants kind of a globalist, European-style, Democrat, Democrat Democrat-socialist system, right? And unfortunately, and and their, their, like, their argument, which is so, so many liberal arguments, it's the same argument that liberals make about, like, America using, um, you know, not using using feet instead of meters. They're like, well, I mean, how, what the rest of the world does it? We're too, and it's like, I kinda, it's such a dumb, smooth brain argument. It's like, oh, so you want to be like everyone else, like a boring, friggin' like someone with no individuality? Okay, I, I can see exactly what your mentality is. Right. And that's that's what. Oh, look at all these other countries with like universal health care. I'm like, okay, um, do you know? how much that costs the average taxpayer in a place like Sweden. You know, I mean, like, do you know how much of their paycheck is going towards? And also, it's like the, those are homogenous countries. Uh, the people have homogenous, like, r- like racially and culturally homogenous. And if that makes you uncomfortable that that produces a more stabilized society, then that says something more about you than about, you know, about me or about reality, right? right. Anyway, I'm, I'm, getting off, I'm getting off track. You have one side of the country that wants this kind of multicultural social democracy. The other half of the country wants things to stay or go back to where we were when we were when we had much much less government and it was much more self reliant. It was essentially the constitutional republic. Now, I'm my idea of constitutional republic. I I would go back pre Civil War. That's my idea. In term, in my, you know, in my libertarian anarchist world, that I would see, I would, that's the American government that I could accept, you know. But a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, they want, they want to have their cake and eat it too, you know. They want to have their CIA, deep state, uh, America, global police, and all the good parts. So, and you know and I mean? part like, of that, part of that is the yeah. fact. Part of that is the fact because they want to die, leaving a legacy in which they can try to convince yes. themselves that they could grow the size of the government at a foreign international scale. Right, right. And I and mean, and is, do this so is the, This is the boomer con, the boomer yeah. con Well, yes. And so so they they, they want to go to they want to go to bed at night feeling like they did something right. And the reality is that's yes. not what you did right. One of the biggest hypocrisies that I have of every conservative out there is the fact that they always want big military government spending, but they want very small Domestic spending, because the thought process is domestic spending is inefficient. And I'm saying to that person, wait a second. Either you believe the government is inefficient and tyrannical with your money, or it's not. 
if you believe it's tyrannical and inefficient with your money, then you have to buy buy. Then you have to be against both international warfare, uh, welfare, and domestic yeah. welfare. You can't just say we do great things outside of this country, but we do shitty things inside this country. It doesn't work that way. Either we do great things with government outside and inside this country because of the philosophy that you hold, or you don't. That's kind of my take on it. I know I'm running up on time here, Sean. Um, kind of final thoughts on what went on today with the or yesterday, excuse me, with the FBI raid. Like I said, I think this is something that's going to continue to escalate. Um, I think that the ultimate goal is to make sure that Donald Trump stays out of the presidential race at all costs. And I am also going to say this, Sean. I was on the show here on record saying I would never vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> and 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 all I'm going to say is you keep pulling stunts like you did today and you make voting for Donald Trump one of the easiest things I could ever do. I'm not Here's the reason why. I am yep. not voting for the person. I am voting for the movement. Right. It's the movement of nonconformist nationalists Borders language culture that I think at this point in time, every country needs to take seriously. I don't like the personality, but when it comes down to the politics behind the movement and the overall direction, I think a borders language culture type of movement would take us to be. That is why they're giving me reasons, not saying I'm going to vote for him. But gosh, all I'm saying to Cheney, all I'm going to say to the Republicans, why? Stop giving me reasons. I thought I was done with this guy. Stop doing things to make me think about voting for this guy. Because six months ago, the last person I would vote for would be him. And you, I think I would vote for Jeb Bush six months ago before Donald Trump. But you keep, you keep doing these stunts. And I'm like, man, you're, you're bringing this up again. Anyway, I talked a little too much. I want you to finish with your final words on what you think this Mar-a-Lago thing will, will do all Sure. Sure. So, I mean, I think that the Democrats are kind of overplaying their hand. And I, I really do. I mean, I'm kind of torn. I don't know if they have an ace in the hole and they have all, an ace up their sleeve and they, they're, they're going to play 4D chess with Trump. I don't think so because they, they've fucked everything up for so long, right? And... Um, um, I mean, they had like the coronavirus, the COVID was the best thing that could have ever happened to Democrats because essentially they could just pin everything on Trump, you know, and and I mean, the, the media had been running against him for four years. So anyway, I mean, I, I really think that with the FBI's raiding Mar-a-Lago, it's kind of a desperate move um, because he's, you know, good, he's he's he said he's going to run again. I really think that it's essentially Trump derangement syndrome making people these these stupid old Dems do stupid things. And like Michael Malice says, you know, I'm white pilled because the people who are our enemies are not particularly bright. Like they like I you look at them and their ideas and they fall flat on their faces. And it's like. I, I don't see a grand plan of how unless the just short of the Democrats like. I don't know planting evidence and then harvesting millions and millions of ballots and just well, completely stealing the election in 2024. I don't see them. 
I, I see this kind of martyring Trump and basically Trump saying the the feds raided me like this is a crazy abuse of power. I mean, if he if he's smart and he plays this right, he will say to the American people that look at what they did to me. They will do this to you, to regular Americans. They will kick in your doors and they will they will. T I mean, they're they're hiring eighty seven thousand new IRS agents to persecute middle class Americans for their taxes. I mean, it's like right. it, it it just the. The establishment is shooting itself in the foot, and, right. I'm, and I'm glad because hopefully we get like America first and liberty-minded people in in November. Hopefully Republicans who actually do something, right. who actually say, "Hey, you know what? Let's reverse this giant, uh, like gargantuan deep state right. uh, uh, administrative state. Let's fire all of these people." Right. You know, and and it could very well be that that wave continues right. and brings Trump in office or DeSantis in office. I don't know. Well, yeah. My, I honestly don't know. I don't yeah. Know. Well, ahead. my last thought is when you're playing chess, you always go after the king because if you get the king, you win the game. If there's chess mate, and right now Donald Trump's the king, and I think the deep state, I don't want to say the deep state, his opponents know that if you take out Trump, you take out his movement. You take out his movement, you take out yeah. any type of instability that might come out to the established order. And so I know... He, but, I, but Trump, sorry, let me just jump in right there. Trump is not the flood. He's the dam. He is not his movement because the the whole. I understand. Like they, but they're looking at it from a leadership, a leadership pers uh, uh, a leadership perspective. And so my point is, is that if you can terrorize the American people into looking what happens when you upset the established order, all the yeah, other yeah. other all the other leaders within a conservative movement look at what happened to Alex yeah. Jones. Look at what happened to Donald Trump. It's almost like this. This tact, this fear tactic that they're going to use to say, "Look what happens when you cross us; we'll take you out." But you know, isn't, isn't it amazing that the Democrats—they're doing everything that they accused Trump that, that they said he would do. <laughs> like when Trump came in office, they're like, That's he's so going true. to persecute his political That's enemies. That's so true. He's going to, you know, he's Such going a good to point. down on the protests, and he's like, he never did anything. Such of a that. good point. And yet, you see. Joe Biden doing that, you know, like such a good point. Literally, literally doing everything. They're doing every, they're Biden doing everything that they accuse Trump of doing. They just do it. I, I mean, know. It, like House of Cards. I know. Is a documentary. I know. It's not a. It's not a. <laughs> you know, it's a documentary. It's just how these people think. They're Machiavellians. Good on. stuff. All right, man. Well, good show, and um, we'll talk yeah. next time. All right, brother. All right.